You know, we, we sang that song a few moments ago about dry bones. We sang about breakthrough. How many need a breakthrough? Amen? I'm praying for a breakthrough. Right? I, I just believe that God wants us to walk in the victory that he has established already. How many understand that he won the victory on the cross of Calvary, and when he rose again on the third day, he, he, he broke all the chains. Amen? He, he made a way where there was no way. That's our, that's our God, right? And some of us need breakthrough. Some of us are desiring breakthrough. And I, and I believe that God wants us to have a breakthrough. You know, I, I'm reminded of a story in Joshua. And, and I, want to, I want to read Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, Moses, I even got glasses, praise the Lord. <laughs> you laugh, right? Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I have given to them, the children of Israel. Every place, say every place, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you, as I said, Moses. Come on. Isn't that powerful? Every place. Look, I believe God has given some of us promises, and, and we've been, we have set those promises ahead of us, and, and we have believed God for those promises, but life happens, right? Life happens. I mean, we, we understand. We, we, we've been given promises for our children. We've been given promises for our community. We've been given promises for our family. We've been given promises for our church. But sometimes life happens. Sometimes we get stuck in the journeying. We get stuck in the process. I mean, when you consider that life is not easy, life is tough, right? I mean, think about just statistical things in our own society even right now. I mean, if you look at pre-pandemic, we, we reached a grim mark in our society that over 100,000 attempts of suicide happened every year, and that's pre-pandemic. People feel hopeless. People feel like, how can I make it? How, how am I going to be able to conquer? How am I going to be able to live victorious? People are walking in depression and fear and doubt. That's the enemy's work, right? If he can get you hopeless, if he can get you where you can, cannot walk and where you can't function any longer, he gets you in a place where you, you feel like, well, why should I even live? Think about this. In, in our society, over 3.5 million people declare themselves alcoholic, literally feeling like they can't, they can't get functioning in the day unless they've had a stiff drink or a six-pack. 3.5 million people. That's pre-pandemic, folks. The numbers haven't been calculated for what's going on through this pandemic and how things have happened and how people feel overwhelmed and how they feel broken and how they feel depressed and how they feel like, what can I do about life? Because it just doesn't seem to be working. When you consider that over 80% of every depression medicine, antidepressant made on the planet Earth is used in this country, this country, I mean, we, we are, we're a, 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 a country with all kinds of freedoms. We're a country with all kinds of liberties. We're a country that has uh, the best medical system in the world where people travel from around the world to come to this country. We're a country that, that is probably one of the most richest developed countries in the world, and yet 80% of, of all the drugs used for antidepressant is used in this country. We might look good. But are we, are we really good? We might have a, a look like the church of Laodicea where we look like we're rich, but are we really rich? We might look like we've got it all together, but do we have it all together? Come on, somebody. Right? I mean, every one of us run into a situation at times in our life that it seems like every solution that we have tried is to no avail. Somebody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've been, you've been there. You know, what, you know what that means? I mean, there's so many people who are taking uppers to get up in the morning and downers to go to sleep at night. We won't talk about energy drinks, huh? <laughs> Somebody said, preach it. Come on. 
look, so, there's so many people who are living in marriages that they feel like there's no end. They feel like there's this, it's, it's overwhelming. They feel like there's, there's, the contention is so hard. How can I make it in this, in this situation? How can I make it with all the brokenness and conflict that I find? So many times we're fighting. It feels like we're fighting and we're fighting and fighting. It's like a, a pit bull is latched onto us and we can't get rid of it. You know, we, we're coming into a season where so many are feeling lonely. I've talked to different ones. We have, we have several widow and widowers in our church, and I know that the, the loneliness can be overwhelming, but, but there's so many who feel the same way. They feel lonely. They feel like there, there's a fear of, am I going to be able to take care of myself? Am I going to be able to, to make it on my own? And, and, and all these things are part of the journey. All these things are part of of, of what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get us into a place of debilitation where we cannot function for his glory. Where we cannot function for his plan. I mean, John 10, 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. Every step. Every step. God's saying that, I have laid before you a, a promise. I've laid before you a plan. And if you will just make a step, if you will just walk in the plan that I've given you, every step that you take, every, every place that you go, I have commanded that the enemy be flee, that it will be yours. But you don't know what I've been through. I mean, the Word of God tells us that in this world you will have tribulations. In this world you will have trials. The, world, the Word tells us that he who endures to the end shall be saved. The Word declares, declares to us, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that that produces in us steadfastness. It produces in us a perfection of our faith. We know that when we are submitted to him, that he will work in us his perfect plan and his perfect will. Amen. Amen. I think we need to grab a hold of the hope and the word of God, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We need to get a hold of and understand that there's nothing impossible for him. Amen. And, and, and the fact is, is that he can do far above what, my, what we, we may think or we may ask or we may, we may imagine according, listen to this, according to the power, according to the Spirit of God that indwells us. How many know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Somebody needs to let the Spirit of God rise up. Let the Holy Ghost, come on. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. Let the Holy Spirit take, take control of your situation. Let him and the power of God flow through you. Amen. Amen. The idea is that I think we rush into battle so much without sitting at his feet. We rush into battle so often without spending time in his presence. And I'm, and I'm guilty. I, I told this Wednesday night that I'm guilty of, of commissioning the warriors without spending time in the planning room. We talked about Ephesians chapter 4 and, and, and we were discussing the fact that Ephesians 4 is, is this is what you should do. But Ephesians 1 through 3 is literally sitting down telling us who Christ is. What he's done for us. How he works through us. And I believe that we need to recognize that before Joshua ever took a foot or stepped into his promised land, that we have to look back at who Joshua was and, and what Joshua did and how Joshua worked. Because do you know that you are known by God? You're, you're, do you realize that God knows everything about you? How many times do we say, God, don't you care? How many times do we get into this this sulking moment, say, God, aren't you aware of what I'm going through? How many times do we cry out and say, God, I feel like I'm broken. I feel like everything's going crazy. And, and Lord, where are you, God? How many times have we been there? Well, I have. But I'm reminded in Jeremiah chapter 1 and 5, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Think about that. God 
formed you. God wove you together. God put you together. You're not a mistake. No matter what the world says, no matter how you were conceived, come on, no matter how uh, the situation in your life looked when you, were, when you were born, that doesn't define who you are today. Who defines you is who created you, and it is God Almighty who created you. He has a plan from you from the very moment that you popped out of your mama's womb. Come on, somebody. You, before you were a twinkling in your mama's eye, the Bible says, I knew you. Somebody needs to look at somebody and say, the Lord knows you. That might bring fear in somebody's mind. Oh, I'm afraid he does. <laughs> God knows you. But he's not afraid of what you've done. He's not afraid of the circumstances of life that have happened to you. He's not afraid of the journey that you've been on. He's not, he's not worried about how, how corrupt or how bad or how things have happened to you. He loves you. Psalms 139, verse 1 says, says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Mm. Somebody says, O Lord, help us. You have searched me and you know me. You knew when I sat down and when I rise up. You you understand my, my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways man that you know sometimes that could be uh, that could be fearful sometimes to think that god knows all about you but the great thing is, is when you grasp a hold that god knows all about you and when it says he searched me and he knows me in other words he's examined the depths of your being it's kind of like uh it's kind of like somebody who goes and, and um, excavates to find out. They go and do soil samples, don't they, when, before they build? They go and check the ground to make sure the Lord has dug into you. He knows the inner parts of you. He knows the, the thoughts. He knows the, the thoughts that he has for you. He knows the thoughts you think. And yet he still loves you. He still is compassionate for you. Come on, y'all. That's good, right? I mean, it goes on and says, you know when I sit down and when I rise. In other words, he knows your actions. He's, I mean, what you think you might do in secret, what you think you might do uh, hidden, God knows all about it. He also knows those moments when you're crying out. He knows those moments when you feel alone. He knows those hard times when you feel like everybody else has forgotten. He knows all about it. He knows the thoughts from afar. In other words, he knows your motives of why you do what you do. He knows what's happened to you. He's not looking and saying, what's wrong with you, child? He already knows. He knows what you've been through. He knows your motives. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows the, the things that have happened that have influenced your life, that have, that have caused you to make the decisions that you've made. He knows all about it. You're not some person all alone by yourself. Verse 3 says, he scrutinizes your path. Am I lying down? The word scrutinize literally means the winnowing, and path means the journey. Now, we, we are not old-time farmers, so we don't talk winnowing any longer. We don't look what that looks like anymore. But, but, but when you think about the old-time cultures and how they would thresh the wheat, they would literally, they would literally separate the seeds from the, the chafe, and they would thresh it. But yet the winnowing literally means to, to, to raise it up and to let it go. And the heavier substance, the things that were good would fall down and the wind would blow the chafe away. Sometimes I think we're a little afraid of allowing the Holy Spirit to do a winnowing in us. We're afraid what might blow away. But if we will submit ourselves to the plan of God and the process of God, knowing that he knows all about us, he knows our thoughts, when we allow the Lord to winnow us, he recognizes our journey and he will take the things that will keep us from accomplishing his plan and he will throw them up. He will winnow us and let the Spirit of God blow away everything that would keep us from fulfilling the purpose of God. Amen. Amen. 
Luke chapter 12, somebody said, Pastor, we're hungry because I smell the food. Somebody said, Pastor, breathe the preach, preach short. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 7 says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That's how much God knows you. In that scripture, it's literally talking about the sparrows who fall from the sky. And if God knows every sparrow that falls from the sky, how much more does he know you? How much more does he care and compassionately love you? If he knows the very number of hair on your head, right? I mean, I've, I've cleaned out a few clogs lately, you know what I'm saying? I know how many, I know how many is falling out, right? If he knows every number of hair on your head, how much more does he know you? How much more does he care? Can you look at somebody saying right now, God cares about you? I mean, think about that, guys. God, the creator of heaven and earth, cares intimately about you. I'm talking everyone in this building. How much more should we love and care for each other, right? If God cares for us, we should care for each other too, right? Ooh, that'll, that'll preach. <laughs> I mean, to know that God cares. I mean, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And verse 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. He chose you. I feel like sometimes I'm on the baseball team, and, and, and I was never that good at baseball, so I was the last picked. And it really wasn't that I was the last picked. I was just the last one that got put on somebody's team. But the thing that God chose you he chose you he knows about you he knows about everything that you're going through he knows you jeremiah 31 verse 3 says the lord appeared to him from afar saying i have loved you with an everlasting love therefore i have drawn you with loving kindness again say again Again, I will build you, and you will be rebuilt. O virgin of Israel, again you will take up your tambourines and go forth to dances of the merrymakers. Praise God. God knows you. We live in a society that has become so religious that we think we do whatever we can to gain God's love. I mean, we say, well, if you'll just come and pray, God will meet you there. Come on. If you'll just do this, if you'll do that, if you'll fast, God will move on your behalf. And we've made it such a religious society that we expect God to, we expect to do something to get God's attention. And God's been trying to get our attention all along. God made a way where there was no way. God made the first step. He is the one who died on the cross for us to make a way for us. Before you ever thought about seeking him, he has sought you. He's cared about you. He has moved on your behalf. He's made a way for you to find him. He loves you with an everlasting love. Come on, somebody. I have drawn you, according to Jeremiah 31, I've drawn you with loving kindness. You would never be able to come to the Lord's presence without him drawing you, without him giving a word into you. We're too busy trying to Get God's attention, and God is just trying to get us to pay attention. Amen? 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Not that we loved him. He first loved us. We have to grasp our position in God. 
We have to grasp the place where we are in him. He wants us to draw near. He wants us to experience his intimacy. He wants to speak into our life. He wants us to be empowered by his spirit. But we're too busy trying to get his spirit to move that we don't sit down and say, God, you are God. We don't stop and recognize that the that he is in the house and that if we will recognize him, if we'll just glorify him, if we'll praise him up, this is what Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all mankind to me. We've got to lift him up. Y'all are quiet today. What's going on with y'all? Matthew chapter 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look, God's given us a promise. Every step, remember? Every step. God's given us a promise. He's given us something that that he has told us that we could have. But we have to be reminded, just as Joshua had to be reminded of his position in God. He says, as I have been with Moses, right? So I will be with you. He, he He had to be reminded that just as Moses had walked with God, just as Moses had experienced the intimacy of the face-to-face relationship with God, just as I have been with Moses, so I will be with you. I think that's what we have to be reminded of. We have to remind ourselves that it's not us trying to gain God's attention, but it's God who's trying to get our attention. We're too busy saying, well, this is what we're going to do for you, God, and God said, this is what I want you to do for me. We're too busy saying, oh, well, I got this and I got that. And woo, look what I've done for God. Woo! And God said, would you, just, would you just listen to me? Would you just trust me? Would you just hold on to me? When I think about, <laughs> when I think about that thing, that idea that God had to Help Joshua. This is, this is Joshua. The first mention of Joshua was actually all the way back in, in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17 and verse 9. This was, uh, he was told to go out and, and fight against the Amalekites. He was told to go out. And this is the same story where when, when, when Moses was sitting on the mountain and Aaron and Hur was on the other, on each side of him. They were, when he held his arms up, Joshua was winning the battle. When, they, when his arms went down, Joshua was losing the battle. So in other words, Joshua intimately understands the, there's a battle that we rage, but he also understands that the only way we win the battle is when we are in right position and right focus with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so God had to remind him, be strong and courageous. As I have been with Moses, so I will be with you. As I have positioned myself with Moses, so I will position you along with me and you will win the battle. Listen, there's a place we have to understand. God knows your position. He knows everything about you. He understands that. But then there's a place where we have to recognize that God knows that and we've got to get in right position with God. Amen? Why was... Joshua able to accomplish this. Why did God choose Joshua? How many know that God's chosen you? I read the scripture just a few moments ago in Ephesians chapter 3. God chose you. And I could say this morning, just as I have been with Joshua, so I am with you. Right? But you know, it didn't start with Joshua right there on that on that one little mountain. Because if you go back to Exodus chapter 24, see, Joshua had been a disciple of Moses. Joshua spent time with Moses. Everywhere Moses went, guess where Joshua was? He's right there with him. I mean, if you look at Exodus chapter 24, in Exodus chapter 24, when, when God called Moses up onto the mountain to receive the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments, Guess what? Joshua's there. Wait a minute, Pastor. Moses was the one who went up and met face to face. No, no. Well, he was. But the Bible says that Joshua, that that Moses told the elders, he said, 
wait here and let us go and we will return. What's he got in his pocket? Us and a we? He's got Joshua. Joshua's there. He wasn't talking. He wasn't saying anything. But he witnessed the presence of God speaking to Moses. He witnessed God moving. He witnessed the power and the glory of God. He saw face to face God speaking to Moses. Isn't that powerful? We can also recognize that, that Joshua was with him. The Bible tells us that when, when the, Moses would enter the tent, that the, the cloud would come down on the tent and God would manifest in the cloud. And the Bible tells us that, that Moses, when that happened, that, that it was Joshua who would remain in the tent. The Bible says in Exodus 33, 11, it says, Thus the Lord used to, speak, used to speak to Moses face to face just as man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. He wanted more. He reckoned, listen, when you experience God, you just can't get enough of it. You just want more of it. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled. Those who long for him, he wants them to experience. So Joshua, I mean, he understood that, that God knows him. God knows him from the very beginning of his life. He knew all about him. And Joshua wanted to know more about God. Listen, I think too many times we're allowing, we're allowing ourselves the, the things of this world, we're allowing our own ideas of who we are and our unworthiness and our, and our brokenness to say, Lord, God doesn't know me and God doesn't love me and God doesn't care. But God knows you. And even knowing all of you, all about you, he still says, seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. Why was, why was Joshua able to go before this crowd? Because he'd been with the Lord. Why was he able to, to be able to, to state that every place you put your foot? Because God knew that he was walking with him. God knew that wherever, wherever Joshua would go... He would be submitted to him. He knew that, that Joshua would walk in consecration to him. He knew that, that Joshua had prepared himself for the battle. Look, I said this Wednesday night. When you look at the book of Ephesians and you see the first three chapters, the first three chapters could be divided with the sit, the sit in the presence of God. Sometimes we've got to sit and recognize who God is and who God, what God says about us. And if we'll sit in his presence and allow God to equip us in that same first three ch uh, chapters, it says that he's given us everything we need. Right? Everything we need. Well, if we'll spend time with him, we can get everything we need to be able to accomplish the battle. And then we get to chapter 4 of Ephesians, and in chapter 4, it tells us, this is what you do. And then we get to chapter 6, and it says, this is how we stand. <laughs> Look, we will be victorious if we'll spend some time with God and let him pour into us. Understand that God knows you. And if we'll grasp a hold of God knowing me and say, you know what? God, you know me. In all of my junk, and God, I want to know you more because if you'll love me in all of my junk, I know that if I'll spend time with you, you can transform me. You can shape me. You can mold me. You can prepare me. You, you know, look, it's like Humpty Dumpty, somebody. I mean, Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall. He had a big fall. But God can pick you up and put you back together. And he can put new pieces in if necessary. 
He can transform your life. And when we get to chapter 3 of, of Joshua, Joshua was able, because of his time spent with God, because of God pouring into him, because of God's words, be strong and courageous. What was God doing speaking to Joshua in that way? He was reminding him that in, in Exodus chapter 31, when, when uh, he stood before, when Moses brought Joshua in, he spoke over him and says, this is what the Lord says. He says, be strong and courageous, and you will lead this people in. And so God was reminding him, just as I have positioned Moses to be victorious, now I'm positioning, positioning you. I need you to know that God is the God of the breakthrough. God is a God who wants to see you walking in completeness with him. Whole, healed, not walking around coping with every struggle and every trial that you face, knowing that confidently this world is a world of preparation. We are, we are in a trial, a journey. And he wants to winnow all the things, take away all the things that would hinder us on that journey so that we can walk victorious. If we go back to chapter 3, and I'm, I'm closing because somebody said that the meal's almost done. I'm not doing that really, y'all. I'll preach till 1 o'clock if I want to, but... I was at church last week, and they didn't start till 11. And I said, y'all don't start till 11, so when do I finish preaching? They said, oh, when you want to. I said, you don't tell a preacher that. <laughs> About 12.45, we ended. They all stayed. They were accustomed. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua rose early in the morning. Psalm 63 says early Will I seek you? Early will I seek you. You know, the word also can be translated earnestly. I think too many times we try to define that as, oh, I've got to get up at such and such hour because I've got to seek him early. I think what, the, what David's trying to say is, is that will you put God as the priority? Early, earnestly, will you make him the first priority over everything else? Will you seek him before everything else? Will you look to him before everything else? Joshua said, he rose early and he went out. That's what he said. He said, I got glasses, but this is better. Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And all the children of Israel and lodged there before the, they crossed over. It was the after the third day. Say third day. So it was after the third day that the officers went through the camp. Look. We can talk about the third day. We can talk about Jonah being in the bed of well three days. We can talk about Jesus being in the tomb three days. We can talk about the Trinity. We can talk about third day. But it goes on and says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, the Lord wants us to realize that it is only Him who can lead us. But when we position ourselves Knowing that he knows us, knowing that we know our own struggles, and knowing that, that we can embrace him and he can position us. When we position ourselves in him and allow him to do his work in us, then we can cling to the promises that he gave us. And when we come to the obstacles, the Jordan River, we can know that if we will recognize the presence of God, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, was the Ark of the Covenant represented? It represents the presence of God. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, it then says, says to position yourselves. King James, I think, or New King James says 2,000 cubics, 1,000 feet. In other words, 10 football fields. Does God want you to have distance? No, He wants you to understand that He is an almighty God. 
And he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to touch the presence inappropriately. In other words, the, before even that, Joshua said, consecrate yourself. Because, see, listen, we want to follow God, but are we willing to consecrate ourselves? What does that word mean? That's pff, some religious word, consecrate. What in the world? You know what it means? I don't know. Separate yourself. It means to separate for a purpose. We, we want to follow God, but are we willing to separate ourselves for the purpose of following God? Are we willing to position ourselves in a manner to be able to cross over the Jordan, to cross over the obstacle, to cross over the impossibility? Because when you consecrate yourself, Paul said it this way, lay aside every weight and sin that will so easily beset you, hold you back, tie you down. We have to be careful to guard the temple of the Holy Spirit. Anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. Those are, those are things that hinder us from drawing near to God. We want to be free, but yet we... That's not how God called us to work together. That's not how we find unity. You want to see the Spirit of God move? We begin to walk in unity. We begin walking in the presence and power of the anointing of God. We understand our brokenness. We understand that God knows us where we are, but we also understand that God knows us enough that He loves us, that He won't leave us in that position. And that He'll position us. But we've got to concentrate ourselves when we see the presence of God. And then when the presence of God goes before us, guess what? Sometimes that obstacle don't move automatically. What did, the, what did the priest have to do? They had to step in their obstacle. They had to step in the middle of the thing that they wanted to move. Someone said, oh, I'll move. I'll move when God moves it. God saying, if you'll step, I'll move. Right? If you'll step out in faith, if you will believe that I am able and you will step into the Jordan, if you'll step into your problem, if you'll step into your situation, knowing confidently that I am with you and I have given you a promise that wherever you step your feet, I will do it. I will accomplish it. And you step in faith. God will then hold back the waters and you'll be able to walk across. I think too many times we see the obstacle and know that we got a battle ahead of us and we say, well, I'll just stay on this side. Right? I'll just stay on this side. Another thing I said about Joshua is Joshua, Joshua was one of the original 12 spies. Right? He's already seen this stuff. He's already said, man, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, we can do this. Him and Caleb have said, we got this, dude. And all these other people have been affected. All these other people have been hurt. All these other people have, have had to journey through the wilderness for 40 years because of the sin of those who would not believe God. So here they are. We've been here. Joshua's like, I've been here before. You know, I don't know what he did with those spies. You know, he said he sent some spies over to look at, at, at Jericho. I'm thinking that he grabbed those spies and said, boys, if I hear one negative word out of you, I am not going to run around this wilderness for 40 more years. Right? It's like, you want to just grab them up. Boys, I've been here before. God promised it last time, but look. If y'all come back with one negative word, if you come back with a negative look, if you come back sideways, you better, you better just stay in Jericho. How many feel that way sometimes? <laughs> but they crossed over. They followed the Lord. Look, God's got a breakthrough for you. How many believe that? He knows you. You can't look around. You can't just say, well, he knows me. He knows I can't do this. Yes, he knows you can. <laughs> Isn't that great? He knows you can't.
And he still knows you. And he still loves you. He knows you can't. But he knows he can. And if we will consecrate ourselves, if we'll position ourselves as Joshua, if we'll find the moments, Joshua said, I'm not leaving the tent. I'm not leaving the man of God. I'm not leaving the tent. I've seen the glory of God, and I don't want anything else but the glory of God. If the glory of God sends me as a spy and says, and I see impossible things, I still see the glory of God. And if God says we can do it, then the glory of God will fulfill it. I know God can. And that's the position we've got to get ourselves into. We can look around our world. We can look around our society. We say, oh, it's going to hell in the handbasket. I don't know if we can make this anymore. It's going to be so bad. Well, quit worrying about the world and start getting your attention on God. Because if you'll just get your attention on God, you'll be the light in the midst of the darkness. It just might be if Christians around this world would, would start focusing on the Lord more than what they do focus on the world, that they just might experience the presence and power of God and people will be transformed by God. Let us have God. Take it all. Let us have God. Because guess what? I've got a home in glory. <laughs> it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I've got a new name in glory. Oh, yes, it's mine. I don't, this old world and all of its substance can go. Because I know for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I trust him. If he wants me to have something, I'll have it. If he don't, I, I won't. If he takes something away, so be it. Because I trust him. I trust him. I don't know what God's positioning you for. But I believe there's something big about to happen in your life. Amen? Amen? I don't know. Hey, look. There's something stirring. There's something stirring. Man, I, I sense it, man. It's just been blowing up on the inside. Man, I can't, I can't get away from it. God's doing something. Would you accept what he's going to do? Would you position yourselves for that? Would we get together as a body, position ourselves for that? Amen. I know we've already had an altar call, but if, if you want a double portion, if you want something else, come on. We'll, we'll pray right here. We'll believe right here. We'll, we'll say we're, we're going to accomplish this today. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we get positioned today in the right place. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. If you, if you want to help me pray with these, we'd love to have you. Come on. Let's agree together. need some of you prayer warriors to come on up. Let's believe right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, he knows your name. You're not hidden. He knows you. He knows. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Is he good? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I pray that all of you will stay and enjoy some good grub. Thank you if you're visiting with us for being here today. We are so thankful you're here. Uh, we, we, we will treat you so many ways you got to like one of them. We love you guys. We're, thank, are we ready, sister? Yes, ma'am. Let's pray over the food, and if you have to go, you're welcome to, to leave. We want, we want you to stay. There's plenty for everyone, but if you've got to go, we understand. Father, I pray you'll bless this congregation, that you'll continue to help us to walk in your truth. Lord, bless the food that we're about to partake of. God, let us have an enjoyable time of fellowship this afternoon. Lord, let us be thankful for all that you've done. Let us glorify you, for you have made a way for us, Lord. Thank you for the provisions, for all the hands that have provided it. Thank you, God, ultimately, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. We surrender and submit to you. Bless us as we go, and Lord, may we be a blessing to all we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're glad to see them. I think there's a line that goes back on that side. If, um, if you want to start the line over there, back on that side and come around. <laughs>